0: So, hopefully, I wasn't too wordy. I should have turned the fan on. I'm about to burn up in here. Welcome to the Publisher Book Podcast, where we speak with authors from around the world to find out how they transform their dream into a published reality. Here's your host, Adam Ashton.
1: G'day, my name is Adam Ashton and the author we're speaking with today is Gwendolyn Wilder. Gwendolyn Wilder, her first book was called It's Okay to Tell My Story and she's got a second book she's currently writing called Managing Domestic Violence in the Workplace which is coming out in October 2017. Gwendolyn Wilder is an author, a business strategist and a motivational consultant. Now she says she went through some stuff. In fact, she says she went through a a hot-ass mess and she's sharing her story to help others survive their hot-ass messes. She was in the military uh, working uh, in discrimination and sexual harassment, and she sort of got really good at that, so she started a business in it, was doing really well, and she won a $5 million contract working with the government. Now, her partner at the time uh, was extremely jealous of this, uh, of seeing her doing these business trips, uh, making big deals, going to meetings, having a lot of success, and she says that this was the, the beginning of the end. This, this sort of power struggle almost uh, turned into an abusive relationship. Gwendolyn was the victim, and she was embarrassed. She, had, she said she would always go to work with bruises, so she was trying to cover it up with scarves. And She had this business of over 180 staff, and she had to close it because she had to deal with uh, her personal issues first before she could work on the business. She started a journal as she was going through this abusive relationship as a as a healing project of sorts, and that's what eventually turned into her first book It's okay to tell my story now this wasn't the most comfortable uh of conversations for me because it was it's something deeply personal obviously to to uh to people in that situation something I hadn't experienced before, but it was something I definitely learned a lot about so it's worth listening to to get a different Different take on what's happening out there. Maybe you've you've gone through something like this yourself. Maybe you know someone who has, or maybe you've been oblivious to it, and you really need your eyes open to something like this. Now, just to quickly touch on it, Gwendolyn, head to her website, Gwendolyn That's G W E N D O L E N W I L D E R author and she's got two freebies there. Oh, she's got a freebie, a free author masterclass and a significant discount on her business sales mastery program. Okay, that intro was long enough. As I said, it's a slightly uncomfortable conversation for me, but I learned so much and it really opened my eyes. So I hope you learn a lot from this story, from Gwendolyn's story, and in the second half, when she talks about her process of writing a book.
0: Hi, there you are. What's up? <laughs> Okay, congratulations! I saw all your books.
1: Yeah, <laughs> finally got it. That was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh
0: my gosh!
1: <laughs> okay, so so today we're speaking with uh, Gwendolyn Wilder, the author of a, a new book. It's okay to tell my story. So, Gwendolyn, tell us a little bit about yourself. You
0: know, I have either the short version or the long version. So I'm going to try and give you the short version today. Um, But let's see. I'm a retired Air Force veteran. Um, I served 21 years in the United States Air Force. Loved it. It was freaking awesome. Um, My job when I was doing that was uh, providing counseling and discrimination and complaint processing. So anyone that experienced sexual harassment, sexual assault, unlawful discrimination, I was that person that they would go to. Um, and because I love that job so much, I decided to retire and then open up a small business doing exactly that.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's
0: kind of where I started that venture of becoming a business strategist and a motivational consultant, which turned into this awesome kick-ass job that's yeah. being an author. Not <laughs> <best format>
1: today. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. And uh, what's, what's your book about?
0: Oh my gosh, I love this book. This is like my favorite. Oh my gosh, this is like my favorite thing ever on the planet. So the book is called It's Okay to Tell My Story. And it's about surviving common law domestic violence. So really... A lot of people, they, they know what domestic violence kind of is about. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to um, take my personal life experiences and put it into a book that wasn't just a fictional story about someone experiencing it. But I wanted to have a ton of resources and I also wanted to have action plans in there for the victims so they can transform into becoming a survivor. But because domestic violence is what I consider to be a community issue, I thought, you know, I I need to take it up a notch. And so I'm going to put some stuff in here that's like some hard, real truths for people. So if you're a business owner, it's going to say specifically some of the things that you need to work on. Or if you're a family member, it'll have like a do's and don'ts kind of checklist. But it's just essentially my life story, and I talk about childhood abandonment and the connection between workplace violence, domestic violence, and sexual assault, and how you can survive successfully from that and then turn out to be like an awesome, kick-ass person like myself.
1: <laughs> it's good that you're an awesome, kick-ass person. You said gotcha. that, you, <laughs> you said that um, people kind of know what domestic violence is, and I'd, I'd say that I fall into that category. Can you give us a bit of an overview what, as, as to what you mean there?
0: Yeah, so basically domestic violence is any threatening behavior or, um, and when I say threatening behavior, that could be anything that's verbal or physical because there's several categories, but it's an action that occurs between intimate partners. So you don't actually have to be married. Mm -hmm. You can be in a boyfriend, girlfriend type relationship, but any type of violence, uh, violence that's physical, um, financial, sexual. um, There's also psychological, which is emotional and verbal abuse as well. So there's Mm -hmm. all those different categories categories and that's why in the book i explain what those different relationships look like so for instance if you are in a excuse me a same-sex relationship a lot of people think well that can't constitute domestic violence because it's just for quote-unquote men and women Mm -hmm. or like in my case i was in what's considered to be a common law marriage so uh we didn't go to church we didn't go to a courthouse we didn't you know i didn't even know that i was freaking married until (laughs) i was in the situation So that's a whole nother story in itself. But so I explained the difference between traditional marriage and common law marriage. And again, what does it look like if you are a victim that is a male and a victim that is a female? Because, again, there's that stereotype that people believe domestic violence doesn't happen to men, which is like ridiculous. Mm. So I decided to, you know, educate people and let them know what does that look like and why men um, decide that they don't want to report those uh, instances. And so again, the book is based off of my personal life, but I did a lot of research and reached out to um, individuals to get their feedback as well so I could try and educate people.
1: Yeah, for sure. And who should read this book, would you say? Is it for someone who's uh, already experienced domestic violence or is it Can I be a bit uh, preemptive as well as to, I guess, to prepare you in case it does happen?
0: Oh my gosh, yes. I get asked that all the time. And so, you know, obviously my target audience are gonna be those victims that are in the situation, but you know, honestly this book is for everybody because it honestly to goodness it can save someone's life. Mm. And so um, I have a chapter in there that I talk about how to speak to your children about domestic violence. And I actually have one of my readers which was phenomenal. This is like full circle for me right now and I'm like so excited. But I had one of my readers um, come to me and say, you know, they they purchased the book because they have a child that was um, they adopted that was from an abusive domestic violence, mm-hmm. abusive family. And so they weren't sure about how to talk to him about that. And so they used my book to facilitate that conversation. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. Like I've achieved my goal. My, you know, my awesome. book has helped someone. And so the book is for everyone. If you're that friend, that co-worker or, you know, you're that business owner. You're not really sure what to do or how to talk to someone or, you know, how do I really um, continue to have a healthy workplace? This book is for everybody. It touches every single um, aspect of the community and every single person. And if I didn't touch you in that first book, that second book definitely is going to get you there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's absolutely something that I I guess I've been aware of. I've heard it, you know, I've heard it in the in the news and in the in the media that it's out there. But I guess it's something I've never uh, never seen firsthand, which is I'm thankful of, which is good, but it, you know, it could always happens.
0: Here's the thing, I think that people see domestic violence and I kinda talk about that in the book as well. It's just that when you see it you you can't recognize it because mm-hmm. you're not sure what all the warning signs are. And that's why I put those warning signs yeah. in there. And um, one of them, which is a very common one, it's called uh, gaslighting. And gaslighting is when the abuser basically they they make the victim um, they make the victim perceive that the reality is not real. Okay, so they make them question their judgment about everything. And so um, you know they go through things such as making them second guess themselves or making them um, question every single thing that happens. And, you know, and I as an example, in my situation, um, when I was with my abuser, I never I never smoked cigarettes. Right. But he would send me to the store to get cigarettes for him. Well, I would come back with the wrong pack because I just don't know what they are. And so he would, you know, call me names and tell me how stupid I was because I couldn't remember to pick this particular pack of cigarettes up. And so he would basically humiliate me. Mm-hmm. And so that's an example when they are degrading you and trying to break you down by name calling or making you second guess something um, as if it didn't occur or maybe diverting the conversation to something different to get the attention off of them. I know everybody has seen something like that. That's an example of domestic violence. So it's like a the most basic form that mm-hmm. you can have. Um, and I tell people with domestic violence, People don't just wake up one day and decide they want to beat somebody down. It starts out slow, and it builds up.
1: Yeah, and something like that would, would I guess, permeate to all other aspects of your life. If you, if you don't have that confidence in your in yourself and in your decisions, you're, and you're always second-guessing yourself, what other areas of, of life does that affect then?
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay. So this is exactly why I provide um, opportunities for victims and for survivors. I mean, don't get me wrong. The services I provide are available for everyone. It's not necessarily you have to be an abuse um, survivor or victim. But that's just like my primary target audience. And so, for instance, my master course consultations, the mastery programs, those are um, programs that I designed to help people build self-confidence and assertiveness and help mm-hmm. them to that's- acquire the skill sets. So, for instance, if they're trying to re enter the workforce, maybe, you know, if you're a man and you were a stay at home dad and you were taking care of the kids while the wife was out doing, you know, whatever. But she was your abuser. As you're re-entering the workforce, you may need a little bit of help with like your interview skills, how to dress or how to fill out a resume, things of that sort. So I have um, training that I provide to them to make sure that they have all those skill sets. If you are maybe you're already in the workforce and maybe you want to start your own business, but you're not really sure how to start your business. But you because you have to remember when people are coming out of abusive relationships, there's a trust issue there. And when they're forming relationships, even work Type relationships there's a trust factor and they have to build that and it takes a little bit of time and so i wanted to provide a safe place for them to ask those questions on what are the legal aspects of building a business and what are some things i need to you know prepare for how much money should i put to the side or where can i find money to start yeah. a business I And mean, where do i find clients you know that kind of thing yeah I provide that opportunity because it does. It hits every single part of your life your um, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional side because you have been brought down to the most basic, bottom, humiliating level possible. And I just want to be that person to try and uplift you. And if I can't provide a service for you, that's why I have a team of experts that I can reach out to and say, OK, here is a shelter in your area that you can, you know, uh, reach out and talk to this person and get counseling and get therapy. Or here is the you know, I'm not an attorney, but I know some. So I'm going to I'm going to send you over to this person mm-hmm. and they'll be able to or get you to someone that can
1: nice that sounds that sounds really helpful what does, if you are i guess if you're in a, uh, an abusive relationship you've you've recognized that you're you're a victim what is what how do you um how do you start to make your way out what are some of the the steps you can take early on Yeah
0: so basically I tell people um domestic violence is like a circle right. And you'll hear people refer to it as domestic violence cycle because it starts with the experience, whatever that was, the person, um, you know, I don't know, they hit you or they said something or there was some type of financial abuse or something to this effect. Um, and then it start, and then it turns over into what we call the hearts and flowers stage. So they did something to you, then they try to apologize by buying something or doing something or being nice for like a day. And then it flips back over into tension building. So it starts, you know, to get amplified because the victim is still in denial thinking, oh, it's just a one-time incident, whatever. So my advice to people is when you start to see yourself or you start to identify these different phases, you need to start utilizing a safety action plan, figure out what it is that you need to do and then get out. Mm. And for instance, in my situation, what I advise people is don't do what I did. This is why I wrote the book. Um, because I actually told my abuser, all right, you know what, um, I'm out. I'm not doing this shit no more. I'm like, I'm done with this. And, you know, <laughs> you need to leave. And, you know, I'm going to make sure that you don't get the car or nothing, you know, all this kind of stuff. Don't do that. <laughs> get you jacked up. And so I advise people, if you know you don't need to be in that situation, just leave, just go. Don't worry about the house. Don't worry about your clothes. Like, oh, my God, I need to get my coach purse or something like that before you walk out the door. (laughs) Don't even don't sweat it. Get your keys and ghost be gone, you know. And so I just kind of advise people that just leave, just get out. Now, if you have time to create a safety action plan um, to where you can leave a few days or however many hours later. Awesome. So then there's like list of things that you want to take with you, like important legal documents, health insurance, information, passports, insurance documents, things like that. If you have cash on hand at the house, you know, you want to grab all that stuff and um, take it with you. But there's certain things you do and certain things you don't do, certain things you say and certain things you don't say um, because you don't want to die. So don't make the person any more angrier than they already are. Just leave. Yeah. Yeah. Just go.
1: Oh man, that's it's some serious stuff. That's for sure. What What about the person who? And I can I could imagine this happening. That uh it was just a once-off, or oh, it won't happen again, or oh, they'll change. What's your advice yeah. to to someone thinking along those lines? Yeah.
0: You know what? So here's the thing. Um, I was in my uh, abusive relationship for eight years Mm -hmm. and I consider myself to be a pretty smart person. You know, I have three degrees and one of them is in psychology. So, you know, I studied behaviors and, you know, I was a therapist and I was working with people in, um, you know, substance abuse programs and uh, child protective service programs. So I consider myself to be a pretty smart person, but it happens so subtly and it happens so, you know, um, it was infrequent. It wasn't every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a push maybe in April and then in May it was twisting my arm or maybe it was a hit. So it wasn't like back to back every single day. And it wasn't until I was um, speaking with my victim advocate and she had me outline all of the different instances that happened. And once I got to about number 16, I was like, damn, mm-hmm. this is like serious. Like, okay. I didn't think I was a victim, you know. I thought it was just this one instance where, you know, he tried to choke me slash, you know, kill me. I thought that was it, you know. And but I didn't realize all those other times that uh, the verbal attacks, the financial abuse, I didn't realize all of that stuff culminated. So I would tell someone if you really think it's a one off situation, I just need for you to take a minute, sit back and just really think for yourself. Just really think write down every single instance and i do this in the book i have an exercise mm-hmm. where i walk them through that process sit and think about every single instance that's ever happened and when the incident happened what happened next did the person apologize like did it go that cycle mm-hmm. or was it truly just one instant because i do think sometimes people you know they are and it's not justifying the behavior but i do believe sometimes people have you know an effed up day yes yeah, sure. It's like, you know, go off on somebody or maybe, you know, it was an accidental push. I think that stuff really does happen. But you just have to be mindful of what it was and process that situation. And if you're not sure, that's when you call someone and ask them, you know, you say, hey, you know what? I just kind of want to ask the question. This is what happened. Am I crazy? You know, mm-hmm. is this something or is this nothing? You know, and there's nothing wrong with asking that question and asking, asking somebody for help.
1: Mm-hmm. And as you say, it is that slow build up over time. In that, maybe looking at, at the time, they don't think too much of it. But when you look back and see the patterns and see the build up, perhaps it starts to all come together, and and you start to realize.
0: And you know, and I tell people, you know, I am not a, um, I'm not a, a abuser basher. You know, I do think that some people, it. it, it They have situations in their life because we all have different types of stress and different, you know, everyone deals with stress differently. And so this is why I tell business owners, if you have, first of all, you need a domestic violence management program. If you don't have one, call me because I'll help Mm -hmm. you with that. But, you know, you hired that person. If the abuser works for you, you hired them for a reason because they are really awesome at whatever it is Mm -hmm. that they do. So that's an asset. So why would you automatically fire that person because they have this domestic violence situation? You want to investigate first and see if that person is, you know, can go through some type of rehabilitation. So, you know, is it possible for them to go through some type of counseling or training at the expense of the company? Because it's going to save them money in the long run. And so if they can do that, do that. You know, sometimes people just have a bad day. They just have a bad day. And so, yes. you know, I don't think isolate the abusers necessarily now obviously if they gave somebody a black eye or tried to kill them oh no they
1: gotta go yeah (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) you know different. you said that you had you know the push and then the the twist the arm and escalated right up to the, the choking how long ago was this how long ago was this
0: so for me, my situation, um, the final the final physical attack occurred in 2015. And that's why, you know, it took me three years to write my first book, because initially it started as a, um, a healing project for me. And mm-hmm. I've always loved writing. I've always been journaling since I was like, I don't know, 10 years old or something. And um, it was a part of an exercise in the recovery program that I was going through at the domestic violence shelter. And I, you know, initially what they wanted me to do was record myself talking to the abuser. And I was like, oh, my God, that feels stupid. I'm not going to do that. Mm. And So I just said, can I write it? Mm. And so I just started doing that. I just started writing what I wanted to say. And it just felt really great to get that off of my chest. And so when I started to share my notes with the rest of the group and the therapist, you know, they were like, oh, my God, this is like really good. You should do something Mm. with this. I'm like, what?
1: (laughs) Oh. Is this when you're still, in, you're still in the relationship at this point?
0: So I was in the relationship from um, 2008 to 2015. And mm-hmm. so in 2015, uh, that day when he was choking me in the kitchen, that was it. I mean, I, I knew that if there was another incident that I wouldn't survive it. Yeah. Because there was no reason I should have survived that incident in itself. Um, And all I can account to that is just it was just the grace of God because I was praying and asking God to help me and I literally felt myself like fading out and I thought, well, this is it. This this you know I got to make peace with God because I think I'm getting ready to die and it was no reason why He should have you know let go. Now keep in Mm -hmm. mind I was trying to fight right, Mm -hmm. but it I can't think of any reason because He was bigger than me, He was stronger than me. Like I should have survived that. And so that's what prompted me to, um, you know, sometime later to write the book because I just prayed, you know, if God could just take me out of this situation mm-hmm. or help me get out of this, then that was it. I'm done. I'm never going to do this again and I'm going to leave him, which is what I did.
1: So. Wow. But that's still so so fresh, but you seem so comfortable talking about it.
0: You know why? Um, I did a so I just had my book launch uh, Mm -hmm. last week. Actually, it was uh, last yeah last Thursday. I just had my book launch party, which was phenomenal, and um, that's kind of what I talked about. I. I definitely want to be that advocate for the other victims that um, they don't have that voice. You know, they haven't reached that strength point yet. And they just need to know that somebody is there for them and that they're not crazy. Because truly, these these abusers are manipulators. And they really Mm -hmm. do make you second-guess yourself. And they also isolate you from your friends and your family, which is what happened in my situation as well. And that was hard that was really hard. And so I want, I just want them to know that it's really okay for you to tell your story. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to feel guilty and you know, you can turn out to be amazing. Now I'm not saying every day is going to be a bed of roses, rainbows and sunshine. You know, it was was jacked up, Mm. but for the course of time and everybody's journey is different. You know, it took me three years to get to this point to where I am now for somebody else it may take them 10 years, you know what i'm saying or maybe 10 days, i don't know. The only thing i tell people is tell your story and then do something with that time. Go to recovery, go to group, you know, therapy, talk to people, share your your, your story, but then also try to improve yourself and that's why i, you know, provide those different services like those master classes and mastery programs because i just want them to know you don't have to continue to live in that type of environment and you can be really awesome and kick-ass.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, <laughs> you are pretty awesome and kick-ass at the moment. But I can't can't even imagine what it would be like for someone going through this. So I'm glad that our services like yours and books like yours are out there for people in that situation.
0: Yeah. I think for me, it was, um, again, it didn't start out as me wanting to write a book because mm. I certainly like, that was not the case. Mm. I was just want to write the book and then just have it for my son because, you know, that is truly the main reason that I wrote the book is, you know, I have this really amazing son. He's 19 years old and he's in college, costing me all types of money. <laughs> I love him with all of my heart and I wanted him to know that this is not what love and this is not what respect looks like and this isn't a healthy relationship and I didn't want him to, to be in that environment any longer and so... I figured that if I just wrote the book to kind of explain to him, you know, why I stayed so long, then, you know, that would kind of maybe help him understand what happened. Yeah. But then it turned into, you know, I'm telling people about it, and they're like, oh, my God, this is great. You should share it with people. And then, of course, here I am. I did. Yeah, and that that's, was
1: it. Just, so. that's it. That's <laughs> it. And so your son, being 19, so he was – uh, obviously in those last three years, so he was sort of that 15, 16, 17. How aware was he of what was going on, do you think?
0: Yeah, he was, like, totally. So, um, yeah. it was it was a very tense and difficult place. Thank God he was not there the day, that yeah. day, last thing, because I truly believe he would have tried to protect me and it would have ended up in a much worse yeah. um, situation. I, want, I don't even want to think about what would happen. Yeah. So, he he's tried i mean oh my god i went through the most ridiculous depression um Mm. after you know because that's what happens you know you go through the five stages of grief right and you're just trying to figure out how what did i do was it my fault you know how can i move on you know all of that and so he would do things because he's really amazing he goes to school to become a um a graphic artist and so he would draw me these awesome pictures you know and bring them into the room and he would make sure to open up the curtains so I could get some sunlight because I just I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. You know, I, I literally couldn't do anything. And so he was such a strength for me and which is really crazy because I'm supposed to be the strength for him. Mm. But, you know, I think we discount our kids and, you know, we don't give them credit. You know, kids are much smarter today than like what I was, you know, I'm 45. So kids are like way different. And I just think that um, because I talked to him so much and because, you know, I had um, a really good support system with the shelter program and with counseling services and other family members helping, it really helped him to um, to stay focused. Mm-hmm. Because I really didn't want that experience to ruin it for him because he was really worried about going off to college and leaving me.
1: You yeah, know, I'm sure it would have. Yeah. yeah. And
0: I didn't want him to I don't want to deprive him of that. Mm. You
1: know, so as a as I guess that that third party, the outsider, not not the abuser, not the victim. What what are what are some things that that an outsider can do if they if they witness this going on?
0: Yeah, so you have to be very careful because yeah. you don't want to get hurt yourself, right? And you also don't want to make the situation worse no. for the victim. So one thing I always tell bystanders is you have to remember, it's not your responsibility is the responsibility of the victim and not until they are ready to leave that situation. They're not going to leave. Yeah. So all you can really do is be there for them. And sometimes, um, not engaging is still engaging and still being supportive. So still definitely try to encourage for them to understand what you perceive as whatever the action is. It, it falls under domestic violence, whatever it is. Right. but, If they don't want to accept it, then you just let them know. I love you. I'm here for you. Here's some places that you can call. Make sure you have, you know, 911 on speed dial and just know that I'm here and then still follow up Mm. and check with them. But if you are a random stranger, like you're on the street, like say you're in the subway or something and you just randomly see it. Mm. Oh, my God. Be careful because people are crazy. So (laughs) if you can safely address it, (laughs) try to do that. But if you don't feel that it's a safe environment, call the police.
1: Mm.
0: That's it. Just call the police. Identify what the individuals look like. Which way were they going? They were, you know, going north on Broadway or they were getting on, you know, subway 15, you know, headed uptown or something like that. And just try to get that person help that way. Sometimes you don't have to directly engage because it's like, you know, when you're on the airplane and they tell you when the mask falls to put on yourself first before you put it on your kids it's kind of that same concept you want to take care of yourself as the bystander first Hmm. and make sure you're in a safe environment before you try to help that victim yeah that's kind of like
1: yeah nice it's it's tough stuff as you say you don't want to get you can't get too involved but at the same time yeah yeah exactly (laughs) that's it that's Mm -hmm. definitely a good way to put it Mm -hmm. man i'm learning a lot i'm learning a lot uh from you because definitely it's definitely something i've uh, never thought too much about even, um, but it's uh, it's scary to think how much of this is going on out there.
0: Yeah, you know, and so this is the exact reason why um, I so once I started this whole journey with okay, I'm going to write this book. Hmm. Then it turned into, I literally feel that God said this, this is your thing. Like, this is what you need to do. Because trust me, once I got past my whole recovery, I was quite content sitting my ass at the pool, just enjoying life and doing nothing. Um, But I felt like I needed to do something and I needed to try and uh, bring a little bit more awareness. And so, This is why I I try my best to work with businesses and let them know that you do have a responsibility. And just because it happens at home, it doesn't make it um, any less of your responsibility. You do have accountability if that person works for you. And so... I think uh, and this is why I decided to write that second book, which is, um, you know, how to manage domestic violence in the workplace, because I wanted them to know exactly what you can do. If you think about most businesses, they have a policy on sexual harassment, sexual assault, you know, and then maybe workplace violence as a whole. But there's no policy on domestic violence. So it's like, what do you do? Like if something happens, what do you? if the person comes to the job and they're stalking the victim, what do you do? Or if the abuser works for you, what do you do? And so and that's why I said I wanted to work with businesses and kind of, you know, help them if you need help writing your policy or providing training or, you know, getting resources for counselors for either the perpetrator or the victim. um, I just wanted to be able to provide that resource to them because I want them to know that. Domestic violence can be an opportunity, not necessarily a negative for the business, and it could actually increase your profitability. So if you understand that it can help your bottom line, I think you you might want to pay attention, right? Yeah, for sure. um, Because that's less like insurance claims that you have to worry about because if you are providing education, there's less opportunities that things will happen both in the workplace and at home. So.
1: Yeah, nice. It's as important stuff. Important stuff. I want to make a make a um <laughs> a gear change here and talk about the book writing process. Oh God! Because you're you're two you're two uh, two books in now. Is that right?
0: Yes. Yeah. My second book could be out in October, hopefully, if yeah. I can just sit down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and
1: write. Yeah. What? How? How did you find the book writing process?
0: You know what? Um, it's completely different between the first book and the second book. So I am writing with intent mm-hmm. in the second book. I'm on a mission, right? That first book, it really started as a culmination of me just writing my thoughts out every day yeah. as a part of my recovery process. And then I compiled all of those things together. Yeah, and nice. so it's, it's completely different. And this is why I wanted to put together that author um, masterclass and mm-hmm. the mastery program, because, you know, Even everything was completely different. You know, I have a publicist and an awesome publisher now versus before um, I was doing things. I was self-publishing, you know, by myself. And it's a completely different process. And when you really, you know, get out there and you start marketing your book and promoting your book, it really opens up doors of opportunity Mm -hmm. for you. And so. I want people to understand what does that process look like from beginning to end? What are the optimal times for writing? Um, You know, how do you break out the list of who your main characters are going to be? How do you choose the setting, the location and all of that? You know, all of that stuff, I really didn't start to understand until I was probably almost, you know, one third way. And so that's why, that's another reason why it took a long time for me to get that first book out because I was healing slash trying to how to, how to write. And I just couldn't find I could find, you know, people that wanted to, you know, sell the book, but they weren't really working with me on how to get the book out there, like how to create the book. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I wanted to do is just kind of work with people on understanding. It's really important what title you choose and what the name of your characters are and what type of cover Mm. that you have, you know, depending on what the genre is that you're in. And so I wanted to create a class where. I can answer all of those questions or share my insight on what I learned as I went through that journey. And that's what I do. I just talk about the different processes between the two books and, you know, the kick-ass team that I have now is my publishers, you know, which is Black Card Books. I love them to death. Um, And, you know, what that looks like and, you know, having an awesome team because now I have a team of people, you know, helping me promote the book, which is like fantastic and it creates less stress for me.
1: Yeah, nice. What were some of those things you learned in that... uh the first, the self-publishing process—that perhaps you weren't expecting—what what popped up that you'd never even considered before starting.
0: You know what? The editing
1: of the book. Okay,
0: yeah. So, yeah, there's so many different types of editing processes in the book, and when you don't know anything about writing a book, you think that you need them all. And so that's how at least speaking for self, that's how I wasted a lot of money because there were so many different um, processes that I thought I needed, but I really didn't need. Mm-hmm. And so I really wish that I had someone that said, okay, you probably need maybe a good two rounds or three rounds of editing in each one of those stages. You don't need five you know rounds of editing, you know, or maybe you only need one round of editing you know for the substantive editing or something like that. Um, and then marketing, I didn't know how much money to spend on marketing. So I was just listening to the people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that was like three, $4,000. Like that made no sense mm-hmm. to, you know, in an ad that was like one minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, which was like bananas. And so that's the kind of stuff that I learned through that process. Um, and then choosing your publisher wisely. That, oh my gosh, that is, you need a publisher that is like, your grandmother (laughs) that person has that love and attention and they want to walk you through that process and that's what I have now versus you know what I had before and don't get me wrong I love my book and I was very critical as I was going through the processes because by the time this second publisher came on board I was able to really fine-tune that first book because it was on its way out uh to print and even printing oh my gosh there's so much like (laughs) i I I always thought when you see stuff on Amazon, I never thought about what the process was like to get your book on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and you know having to ship and you know getting author discounts and all of this. Oh my god, it's like <laughs> a lot. Well, I mean you know it's it's a lot. You know, shipping overseas and all of yeah. that. Oh my god, it's like a lot. And so I thought, well, dang, I can't be the only person that's like just figuring this out. And so I thought, okay. As much as I can share from the day from day one to you know the day that I'm here now, mm-hmm. I just want to share everything that I learned and what worked and what didn't work. And like I said, there was no need to have all that editing. That's probably like the
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's never going to be perfect enough for me. Yeah, There's yeah. Right sure. now, I'm like, dang, I should have added this or I should have. <laughs>
1: done now. Yeah, nice. So. And what what if someone who's uh, maybe just starting the process? They've just decided they're going to write a book, and maybe they've put a couple of thousand words down. What's your advice to someone just starting out?
0: Oh my God, don't stop writing. That's probably the most. Yeah, that is it. Just don't stop writing. You know, I think people have this misconception that you have to sit down at a computer or with a notebook, and you have to write five chapters. Mm. And you don't. Mm. You know, I mean, literally, if you have five minutes in your day, you can write. You know, and it's not that difficult. You know, there is a very succinct process, which I wish I would have known on my first book, which I'm using on my second, but there's a very succinct process that you can use that will help you to identify what the chapters are and then what's going to go into those chapters. I had to figure all that out by myself, you know, the first time around. And luckily, thank God, the book came out, you know, great, because like I said, I was able to, you know, get that final round with my second publisher before it went out to print. But there's a process that can make it so easy for you to write your book that it doesn't have to hurt like Mm -hmm. that. And it doesn't have to take three years, you know, um, it could be a month really, you know, or, or, yeah, maybe less than a month, depending on how much time that you, you know, devote to it. But like for me with writing the second book, um, all I do is just basically take two days a week and that's all I do. Mm -hmm. I just write, you know, I just zone out. I have like this little ritual where I have like gummy bears and so I just, that's like, well, and that, you know, and so this is what I talk about in my class, right? So I think it's really important to reward yourself because this is a huge accomplishment. This is yeah. like phenomenal, you know, that feeling, you know, you're like I'm an author, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm a badass right now. But you reward yourself because sometimes you get stuck, you know, you can't think of that 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 perfect adjective or you can't think of, you know, what adverb do I need to put here? And so I reward myself and I have like a whole bowl of gummy bears when I start to write. So if I'm stuck on something because I'm a, you know, I create lists in different tasks that I need to do. And so I set a goal for myself of how many tasks that I'm going to achieve that day when I start to write that book. And so goal setting is really huge for me. And so I kind of talk to people about that. Like, how do you goal set as you're writing a book? And they're thinking, I, that sounds crazy. Don't you just sit down and write? There probably <laughs> are people that do that, yeah. but that just—that's not me. I, I yeah. don't do it. I have a system. It works. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep doing it.
1: Yeah, nice. And what are the gummy bears for? You just do you pick away at them, or is there a certain time you, you you can get into those gummy bears? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so I, I like so- every
0: hour. That's like my thing. So I break it down every. Oh my god, I would be like, oh no, I'm trying <laughs> to keep my waistline now. But every hour, I check my, my list and see, you know, did I accomplish, you know, one of those tasks. And so, that's what allows me to be able to get just one. One. Just one. Just one. So, but that's one per hour. exciting, you know, because I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting ready to get, yeah, <laughs> it's exciting. And like, I get to get a gummy worm, you know, I'm like dancing in my seat, so, but you that's gotta awesome. do it. You gotta do something. You don't have to do food, but you know, maybe you get to treat yourself by going to the movies or, you know, whatever. Like yeah. if I do five of my six tasks, I get to go to the movies or something like that. So, you know, it just kinda depends. It kinda yeah. depends.
1: Yeah, nice. That's that makes it fun. That's gotta uh fun. that's serious self uh self restraint if you get a whole bowl sitting there and you can have one one per hour. <laughs> I'm
0: telling you, it's it's for me it's like a huge um it's just a motivator, you know, yeah, because true. you see it and you're like, okay, I got to do let's just do this. And I don't know about anybody else, but I can smell the gummy worms like <laughs> my computer. And it's such torture. But it, that's what motivates me is because I really want to hurry up and yeah. do what I'm doing so that way I can, you know, grab the uh, nice. the gummy bear. So that's
1: nice. that's awesome. it's weird. I like that one. <laughs> it
0: works. That's it cool. works.
1: And you talked a little bit about the... Uh, the, the masterclass for writing a book. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah. So it's just going to be very informal. Um, what I wanted to do is just explain the process that I used. And so in the beginning, um, there's a section where I introduce you to who my team consists of. So like my publicist, my publisher, event planner, and you know anyone that had an impact on helping create this book. Because, yes, I wrote the book and it's about my experiences and all that. But, you know, there's a team of people that helped me to get the book out to the world. And so I just wanted to explain how beneficial it is to have a really solid team. And then I provide uh, bonuses. Those bonuses are like my um, class, my goal setting class, because just like, you know, I gave you the example. I think, yes, you can. and Don't get me wrong. There's some times where I have a thought. And this is why I always carry a journal with me and I need to quickly write that down. But when I'm seriously getting ready to sit down and I want to focus on writing, you know, a chapter, I set a goal for myself of what it is I want to accomplish in that chapter. So I want to make sure that I get the, um, the main character from, you know, this scene to that scene or I need to set the location, the time, you know, so I create those little tasks. And so I gave people a goal setting class as a bonus. And this is an example because I wanted them to know, you know, what does that look like? But then also I introduce you to um, my publishers. Because I think it's important for you to speak with people that have um, a really good reputation and you can see their long list of credentials and how awesome they are. Uh, And that it's not just me saying I have a really good publishing team. You know, um, I know I'm just like one person in a million that have written, you know, written a book. But I, I really do feel that if you have a really good publishing team, that you should really share that with the world. Because writing a book is the most one of the most intimate things you could possibly do.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: It really truly is. And Mm. so I just think it's something that needs to be handled with care. So that's why I introduced them to that to that person. Um and then what did I learn as as a result of writing the book? So there's a part where I talk about that. And and so basically, as I tell them what I learned, I tell them also recommendations. So, for instance, like I understood, again, there's nothing wrong with doing a self-publishing book. I support it full, you know, wholeheartedly. I just give recommendations on things that you should consider before you jump into that, you know, venture. Uh, Book signings. I talk about there's a whole module where I talk about book signings because I was super gung ho. And I got, um, I think it was like 20 something book signings, you know, and I'm going, when am I going to do all this? Like, (laughs) Because I was just so excited to tell everybody about the book. And you just have to be careful for what you wish for, because now it's like I don't have time to breathe, (laughs) you know. And so having an assistant is really important. And so, you know, I talk about all of those different aspects and that's what it is. That's how it looks. It's just. Hey, you want to write a book? What does that look like? You need a team. What does that look like? The challenges, recommendations, and your bonuses and resources. Um, and then I try to bring in guest experts. So, for instance, with my book, I had to have a team of attorneys review the book um, because even though it's a fictional book, uh, because it's based upon my life story, in the beginning, I actually tell you my actual story, right? Yeah. In a short form, I needed to have a team of attorneys to review because you know I don't want to get sued. Yeah. So. 'cause then it's all for nothing, yeah, uh, so I talk about the legal aspect of writing the book, marketing, and all that stuff too,
1: yeah, nice that sounds that's some uh that sounds awesome, it <laughs> sounds really comprehensive. If, you, if you're <laughs> studying it, how, how, can, okay, how can people find out more about you, more about uh, your work, more about your book, more about this masterclass? Where can they find all this stuff?
0: Yeah. Okay, so um, really easy, they can go to my website, which is my name. So it's Gwendolyn, it's just spelled different, G-W-E-N-D-O-L-E-N, that's it. Okay, so Gwendolyn Wilder com. Nice. that's it so once you get there you'll find out a ton of information about all the different stuff that I have going on and if you don't see what you're looking for just hit me up on the consultation button and it'll you know go right to me and then I'll set up a Skype or uh, you know phone call or whatever so that way we can talk about what the services are or products that um, that maybe you didn't see because I also do journals as well so there's a ton of things in there i've got journals music because i think it's very important and you probably do this as well i need to have the right tone when i write and so i need to have you know a really good set now music for me is not the same for everyone else like usually when i say um i need meditation music people think of something that's soft um, and
1: <laughs> rainforest or think, a beach or no so. <laughs> i
0: i i am totally i love house music dubstep that is that for me that's, not-
1: <laughs> that's meditation
0: that's my meditation music and so i decided to create meditation music that's based well actually my son created it for me and um so i give that away too in the master class because i think it's important that you have something that is um motivating you whether it's fast or slow i think music is really important when you're trying to focus
1: fantastic and i think you said you got a, a little a little deal a little bonus for the listeners
0: Yes, I am super excited. So anyone that buys my book, it's okay to tell my story. Or if you pre-order How to Manage Domestic Violence in the Workplace, either one of those, you will automatically get signed up for the free masterclass, the author masterclass that I was just talking about. And then also, I'm going to give you a discount for my um, mastery program. So um, the Business Sales Mastery Program, again, the basic, the whole thing behind that is how do you find customers? How do you find leads? And how do you turn those customers into clients? And basically, how do you sell yourself in your book? Mm. You know, what does that look like? And so, um, and it doesn't just have to be your book. It could be whatever product or service that you have. I just use a book as an example because that's what I do. Um, so basically, that class is usually um, 2097 but I will give it to anyone that buys this book for $97. Nice.
1: Fantastic. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for that. Is there anything you want to leave us with?
0: No. You know, the only thing that I would probably say again is thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and to, you know, um, interact with your listeners. And, you know, if you think you're in a domestic violence type situation or you know someone that's in that situation, just recommend for them to get assistance. And worst case scenario, just call 911 or just call the police
1: that's it thanks for your story and thanks for the ability to tell that story and share I think think it's going to help a lot of people so thank you thank you very much for your time and yeah and all the best with the next book yay (laughs) cheers
0: (laughs) thanks for listening to the publisher book podcast we hope you learned something along the way For more interviews with authors from around the world, subscribe to the podcast or visit publishabookpodcast.com.